5 Minutes with Phil, a daily devotion for people on the go. Brought to you by Tabor Church. Welcome back to the podcast. This is 5 Minutes with Phil. All right, so yesterday I started with the uh, fallacies. And um, these are logical fallacies because they sound like they could be a good argument, but it actually is a faulty argument. Um, So we're just going to launch right back into them because we're trying to get through the fallacies so that we can, when I start to identify, well, this is a hasty generalization, which we're going to start first with today, that you'll be able to say, oh, like there, I see what we're doing here. Right, so our next uh, logical fallacy is called the hasty generalization, and I believe that the hasty generalization may be the most common logical fallacy um, because I hear it all the time, but there's no single agreed-upon measure for sufficient evidence, right? So I recognize this with my children, and they would often say, you always and then fill in the blank with whatever, or you never. These are hasty generalizations because if it was happening all the time, or if it was always the case, then there wouldn't be room for anything else. There's a hasty generalization. You're jumping to something without sufficient evidence. So you're saying things like uh, some people vote without seriously weighing the merits. Right? People nowadays only vote with their emotions instead of their brain. And so those are both generalizations, hasty generalizations, right? Especially if you're looking at the political realm, you're saying people are rushing in and they're just making generalizations, which I believe also points back to our taking the side that you're supposed to be on. And of course, the other side is going to have, you're going to make those hasty generalizations way often and way more. All right, next one is called the red herring fallacy. This is a distraction from the argument, typically with some sentiment that seems to be relevant that's really actually (laughs) off topic. It can be difficult to identify because it's not always clear how different topics relate. Right, so let me see if we can get some examples here. Um, my wife wants to talk about cleaning out the garage, so I asked her what she wants to do with our patio furniture. Now she's shopping for new patio furniture and not asking me about the garage. <laughs> uh, another example, my wife wants to talk about cleaning out the garage, so I asked her what she wants to do with the patio furniture because it's just sitting in the garage taking up space. Right, so if you are in an argument, this is almost like the... Uh, um, you know, the attention deficit, right? You're saying, all right, I don't want to talk about this anymore, but I'm trying to figure out how to nonchalantly be able to, you know, take that off target. And so then you show them some, something shiny and you're hoping that they catch the glimpse and go after that instead. This would be a red herring. Oh, let's see. Let's go to the next one. Um, This one's called the appeal to hypocrisy um, because it distracts from the argument by pointing out hypocrisy in the opponent. This tactic doesn't solve the problem or prove one's point because even hypocrites can tell the truth. So focusing on the other person's hypocrisy, it is a diversionary tactic. 
right? So you're pointing out that the other person's hypocrite. Let me give you examples. Um, but dad, I know you smoked when you were my age, so how can you tell you know tell me not to do it? Uh, son, yes, I smoked when I was your age. It was dumb then, and it's dumb now. That's why I forbid you to smoke, chew, vape, or use nicotine gum or whatever the kids do these days, right? So you're pointing out the hypocrisy, and this one, it, it's, it's hard because especially if it's true, you know, the person on the one end is like, well, how am I going to defend that? I'm actually, you know, that that is true. I'm maybe, you know, and this happens with politicians all the time. Maybe they took a stance like 15 or 20 years ago. And then over the course of history, they changed their mind. They changed their perspective. But people are like, oh, but you said that back then. That means it must be true today. You are a hypocrite. And this is supposed to distract us, you know, almost like, something shiny like oh like let's take off topic because this isn't going to go well for me so what am I going to do I'm going to point out the other person's hypocrisy and this will work <laughs> all right next one causal fallacy the causal fallacy is any logical break when identifying a cause so you can think of the causal fallacy as a parent category for several different fallacies about unproven fallacies. So, some examples. Uh, Jimmy isn't at school today. He must be on a family trip. Jimmy has a few uh, has a fever, sinus congestion, a cough, and can't come to school. So he probably has a test later today. Uh, three. Someone really should move this deer crossing sign. This is a dangerous stretch of highway, and the deer really should be crossing somewhere else. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, as we consider it, you know, that it's a um, causal fallacy. It's a correlation fallacy, you know, and, and, and the fallacy happens when you mistakenly in, uh, interrupt two things found together as being related. So the two things may correlate without the actual causal relationship. Hopefully that makes, makes a little bit more sense to you. Uh, the fallacy of uh, the next one is a fallacy of sunk cost. So sometimes we invest ourselves so thoroughly in a project that we're reluctant to ever abandon it, even when it turns out to be fruitless and futile. So when we are susceptible to this current behavior, when we crave the sense of completion or a sense of accomplishment. So some examples. I know this relationship isn't working anymore and that we're both miserable. No marriage, no kids, no steady job, but I've been with him for seven years, so I'd better stay with him. Next example, I'm halfway done with this college. This is so tough, and it's not nearly as fun as I thought it would be. But I don't know. I guess I'll finish it and get my degree. All right, so it's it's kind of that sticking things out because you don't really have any other choice you believe. Right. And so you're you're pretty much sunk. So you might as well just, you know, continue to press forward. Uh, the next one, appeal to authority. This fallacy happens when we misuse a, an authority. This misuse of authority can occur in a number of ways. We can cite only authorities steering conveniently away from other testable and concrete evidence as if expert opinion is always correct. Or we can cite irrelevant authorities, poor authorities, or false authorities. So this is always where you have to be able to know your facts, 
um, to understand, like, is this actually relevant? Um, here's some examples. Because Martin Sheen played the president on television, he'd probably make a good president in real life. <laughs> Another example. One day robots will enslave us all. It's true. My computer science teacher says so. <laughs> The uh, last example, this internet news site said that the candidate punches babies. We know that's true because it's on the internet. So you get those all the time, right? I'm going to quote something. Um, I, you know, my, I think my favorite one with, with the internet was like, um, don't, don't believe everything you read on the internet. And it's like a quote by Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or somebody who didn't have the internet. It's pretty funny. Um, but that's kind of what you're doing there. You're trying to be able to attribute something that may or may not be true um, just to be able to find an end um, to the point or to the, yeah. Uh, the next one, equivocation. Equivocation happens when a word, phrase, or sentence is used deliberately to confuse, deceive, or mislead by sounding like it's saying one thing but actually saying something else. So equivocation comes with the roots equal and voice and refers to two voices. A single word can say two different things. Another word for this is ambiguity. So a couple of examples. His political party wants to spend your precious tax dollars on big government. But my political party is planning strategic federal investment in critical programs. Another example, I don't understand why you're saying I broke a promise. I said I'd never speak again to my ex-girlfriend, and I didn't. I just sent her some pictures <laughs> and text message. So, yeah, that one's, that one's a tough one. Gets you into trouble. Uh, we're going to keep moving on. I'm trying to get through uh, just, I think, two, two more. Yeah, I think two more. And uh, the next one is appeal to pity. Uh, this would be, um, you know, so personal attacks and emotional appeals aren't strictly relevant to whether something is true or false. In this case, the fallacy appears to, uh, to the compassion, um, appeals to the compassion and, and emotional sensitivity of others when these factors are not strictly relevant to the argument. So appeals to pity often appears emotional manipulation, and this is a tough one. So truth and falsity aren't emotional categories. They are factual categories. Here's some examples. Professor, you have to give me an A on this paper. I know I only turned in a sentence and some clip art, but you have to understand my grandmother suddenly died while traveling in the northern Yukon, and her funeral was there, so I had to travel. And my parents got divorced in the middle of the ceremony, and all the stress caused me to become catatonic for two weeks. Have some pity. My grandmother's last wish was that I get an A in this class. <laughs> That's manipulation right there. Uh, professor, I know this work was subpar, and I feel pretty bad about it. I'd like to schedule a meeting with you to discuss how I can do better on our next assignment. Yeah, so there's the... Uh, <laughs> You know, you're trying to emotionally manipulate. Uh, the last one for today, um, and actually the last one of these before we get to big questions, is the bandwagon fallacy. The bandwagon fallacy assumes something is true or right or good because other people agree with it. So a couple of different fallacies can be included under this label since they're often indistinguishable in practice. Right, so it's it's something where 
I look at this almost as as what we would call triangulation. You're trying to be able to get as many people on your side looking at the person or people that you should be against. And it's almost like if I have more, then we have to win. Like, isn't that the way things work? Like, in our voting system, the one with the most votes wins. Oh, wait, that's not the way our system works. Oh, but here we go. You know, so we got some examples. Almost everyone at my school will be at the party Friday night. It must be a popular thing to do. Uh, so that's, you know, so you're you're trying to be able to say, well, if everyone jumps off the bridge, then apparently I'm also supposed to. Uh, and, and so we're, we're, we're getting to that place of trying to be able to, uh, you know, trying to get most people on our side so that it sounds like this would be a good argument. If most people believe like me, then it must be true. All right, let's end it there for today. Hopefully you can pour through some of these fallacies. Um, trying to be able to pick things out of an argument, and maybe you've heard some already that people have tried to use with you in an argument. This is a good opportunity um, for you to distinguish what's good and what's right. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with big questions. All right, take care.